Vocalist Barbara Rossine loves to sing the standards like many performers on the scene today. But she goes a step further by going back to the earlier musical gems that inspired those songs. Barbara is a musical archivist as well and loves bringing these rarely heard melodies to a new generation of listeners. I'm Judy Carmichael and this is Jazz Inspired. Barbara talked with me about what first drew her to jazz. The first thing that got me hooked was real big band music, swing music, because that was being played all the time in my household when I was growing up. So, you know, and I never really cared about rock and roll. There were there were a few things that I liked, but it just didn't speak to me. So, in college, I was already singing professionally with a big band. I think I was 19, and then I moved to New York not long after college and heard a radio interview being done by Vince Giordano. And even though I wasn't really doing the old, old stuff, the 20s and 30s, I did know of it because my parents were really savvy and into that too. And he was on my wavelength. I made a phone call. He needed somebody for one recording session. I sang for him over the phone. (laughs) And days later, I was in the studio recording with Warren Bechet. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty neat. That's fantastic. That was your audition, was singing over the phone I with th- Vince? Yeah, he just, I just sang it purely the way that he performed it himself, and he got it. Barbara Rossine singing with Vince Giordano's Nighthawks on Fit as a Fiddle.
Now, your folks were hip to early music, as you said, but you zeroed in on the big man things first and then got into this even earlier stuff later. Right. My, my, actually, my dad had been a singer, and his dad had been a singer. Oh, really? My, my dad was older than my mom by, like, a generation, and his father had been on the speakeasy circuit around Cleveland and Detroit and was rumored to have sung with Connie Boswell and the sisters, and... So we had all of that stuff laying around the house and, and talk of that. So I knew about all that. But my father was actually hipper than the 20s and 30s stuff. You know, he liked Dinah Washington, and he liked that kind of thing, and the big band stuff. So I just delved deeper. I wanted to know what was going on before all that happened. It's interesting that very often people who have grown through that era will then go on to something else like your dad did because I've had a similar experience talking to other people who have pointed out that I was free to go way back because I didn't feel I had to move on to some other thing like I'd already lived through it, which is exactly what you've done. We don't have any pressure saying you have to do pop tunes. I guess we do if we were going to listen to that, but can go right back to just what appeals to us. No, and it was all fresh to me. Then I discovered this woman named Annette Hanshaw just going through some old LPs at Colony Records one day, and I found a Sunbeam release and a great album of Annette's, and that was it. I was hooked. What I wanted to do was recreate it mm -hmm. instead of sounding a lot like Barbara Rossine, instead of having my own band. I wanted to actually re-record the actual arrangements. So a couple of people wrote the actual arrangements listening to 78s for the first CD that I did that Andy Stein's on and a lot of and, and all the Nighthawks. And all of those are real transcriptions of Annette Hanshaw and Ruth Edding 
How do you approach a project like that that you're recreating, but at the same time you want to bring something fresh to it, bring your own personality? How do you focus on that? Well, first of all, I thought about how, and this was actually, when did we do this? 2000. You know, the recordings, the 78 recordings, were, were so pitiful then. I mean, you, you couldn't hear things well. And um, and then, and you know, Annette is cool. She's got a more, you know, a lower voice, and it's easy to listen to. But, but Ruth Edding, I love her, but, you know, some people think it's corny. And so I had to do some sort of middle-of-the-road thing where it was Barbara Rosine with a nod to them and to try to remove all traces of parody and and just do it straight with with a total love for it lovers depend on moonlight for a love affair babies depend on mothers for their tender care flowers depend on and the opportunity it also gives a different generation to hear this music fresh because you and I aren't put off by the bad sound quality of these old records because we're fanatics. And so we'll go, oh, but that's Tatum. Doesn't matter that it's scratchy. But I think we're unusual. We're in the minority. I agree. So you really give an opportunity to a whole new bunch of ears to hear this stuff recorded beautifully. Thank you. That's nice. Joe Venuti and Eddie Lang. I'm so glad that you brought some Joe Venuti and Eddie Lang because those are things I was listening to early on. That's what really got me into this too. So talk about that. Well, I, I don't know. I think as a singer, I realized that that the violinist added so much to a recording and, and so enhanced the, the voice. And I like Joe Venuti particularly because he, he doesn't stray so far from the melody. And, and that's a huge thing for me, that, that the melody must be played the way that it was written. At least one time through. <laughs> and then go right ahead and improvise. That's, I totally get that. But I, I, I absolutely have to hear that. And, and I just think he's so melodic. And I think I love his improvisation. And 
I mean, an Eddie Lang. What a combination. And Eddie was on all the things with, a lot of things with Annette Hanshaw and Ruth Edding and, and Mildred Bailey. So it's meaningful to me. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking with vocalist Barbara Rossine. Your CD Moon Song, I love that you did Moonburn. Speaking of Eddie Lang, because I always think of Bing Crosby when I think of Eddie yeah. Lang, and I love Bing's version of that. And here, and you don't hear that recorded very much, at least I don't. You're an archivist. I'm sure so you, people are afraid of it. Because Bing has that definitive He's uh, so associated with it. Yeah, I love that tune. It's one of my favorite. And I love what you do with it, and you do it very differently. He does it with Joe Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Do you know Joe Sullivan? Of course. And, and, and in, the, and in the, that recording, he says, moon burn it, Joe. <laughs> it was with incredible restraint that I didn't say moon burn it, Connell. <laughs> Now, if you think that I'm looking somewhat tanner, don't go blaming it on the sun. It's the moonlight and the sweetness in your manner that's making me the healthy one. When the moon hangs low, I begin to glow, and my day has just begun. I'm gonna get a moonburn when I'm with you tonight. So very soon I'll moonburn when you hold me tight. I'll ask the glowing stars up above me what your lips will impart. And when they flash the word that you love me, You know it's gonna warm my heart I'll get a brand new moonbird With every kiss from you 
And if I have my way, get my say, you'll get a moon burn too. I get you alone with me tonight. So very soon I'll moon burn when you hold me tight. I'll ask the glowing stars up above me. Tell me what your lips will impart. And when they flash the word that you love me, ooh, it'll warm my heart. I'm gonna get me a brand new kind of a moon burn with every kiss I get from you. And if I get my way, get my say, you'll get a moon burn to keep undercover. You'll get a moon burn to who? I also did I Wished on the Moon on that CD, which, you know, could it be any more associated with Billie Holiday? But I just thought, I'm just going to do it because I love it, and it's a great tune. How do you not think of those people if you've heard their versions a lot? That would be hard. Well, one of the things I do that a lot of people don't is the verse. So especially with the recordings that were done in the 40s or 50s, there's no verse. So you can go back to the original sheet music, and that adds a lot to the tune because the verse so sets it up. gloomy shadows gathered in the air no one ever listened to me no one wondered did I care none in all the world to love me none to count the stars that hung then the out above me and I saw that it was young I wished on the moon for something I never knew wished on the moon for more than I ever knew a sweeter rose a softer sky an April day that would not dance away. I begged of a star to throw me a beam or two, wished on a star and asked for a dream or two. I looked 
My guest, Barbara Rossine, singing I Wished on a Moon from her CD Moon Song with John Eric Kelso on cornet and Connell Falks on piano. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. For discography of the music played on our show and a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. To find out more about my music and what I'm doing, visit my website at judycarmichael.com. Barbara and I talked about the help we've gotten from fans over the years in finding great music. One of the wonderful things when I got my first jobs that made it possible for me to expand my repertoire were what other people brought me. And they're sort of the uncredited mass because I would have someone say, you know, you're into the stride thing. I think you'd be great at Boogie Woogie. And they'd have a huge collection and they'd make me a copy of 20 records. Oh, I know. And, and it makes you feel so confident. They, they feel I'm, I'm good enough to do this. And this is our thank you. I'm thinking of this as you say it because those are the people that still bring me things. That I, Because the funny thing is that I think a lot of listeners don't think about is we as professionals are always working on different projects, working on getting gigs, working on keeping our craft together. We don't have the time that a lot of great listeners do. That's right. To go out and collect this stuff. You know, unless it is a Vince Giordano and... But, he lives. He has forty-eight hour days, so we don't know how he does it. <laughs> he, I think, he doesn't sleep. So that's how he I think is. You're right. But you're an archivist as well. Now, talk about that in terms of getting these these tunes together. And do you take this as a scholarly pursuit, or just for yourself, or how do you approach that? Well, I think it evolved into my practically having a master's in, you know, early women particularly early white women um, pop singers with, with jazz backing behind them would be the category. Mm-hmm. And as I searched for material, I, you know, I just became enveloped in it. And so, you know, then I became an archivist, I ha- and people brought me 78s, and it just grew. But yes, I mean, I wouldn't even want to be doing it if I were just randomly singing songs. The research means so much to me. That's that's such fun. So you're conscious of carrying on a tradition and keeping this music alive? Yes. I, I also feel that the composers are, are very short-changed in popular music. In and, what way? Well, you know, people forget to mention them. I mean, cabaret artists bend over backwards, but, you know, I mean, who knows about Sam Coslow? 
No one, no one knows about this brilliant lyricist who wrote so many tunes for films, who wrote with all different composers, and mm. you know, he's just one of many of the Tin Pan Alley. You know, everybody knows Irving Berlin, everybody knows Gershwin, but ha- are people remembering Gus Kahn and, you know, who else? Irving Kale and Irving Caesar and, you know, all these other people. Even Harry Warren. A lot of people might not. I mean, they do, the, like you say, in Cabaret, but they don't know him the same way they know Hoagie Carmichael. Well, now, Mrs. Bones, don't forget to say no, baby. While I'm with your Uncle Sam, I'll be missing you so, baby. That's the kind of guy I am. Other boys may call your number, but if they take you to tea, don't be thrilling while I'm drilling. Remember, you'll belong to me. Don't forget to say no, babe. If they want to kiss goodnight, just remember it's no, baby. If they want to hold you tight, while I'm out the train, don't you entertain. Remember, you're not the USO till I return to baby. Don't forget to say no. Don't forget to go voop, veep, voop, veep, voop, veep, boo, doo, 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 the boys may call your number, but if they take you to tea, don't be charming while I'm arming. Remember, you'll belong to me. Don't forget to know, babe. If they want to kiss goodnight, just remember it's no baby. If they want to hold you tight, and if you want to please while I'm overseas, do a blackout from head to toe till I return to baby. Don't forget to say no. Lots of people are recording the standards now, which is great. I feel there's a whole other generation that are getting familiar with this. And you and I have been into it forever. And so people always tell me all the new people that are doing it. And whether I think they're good or not, I always think, well, more people are hearing these great tunes. So it's sort of getting that out and getting a, a reawakening to that. Is there an awareness of this a bit earlier era that you really focus on? Do you think that there is a younger audience that knows that as much as they know Sinatra and Tony Bennett, who's still doing his thing, obviously? Do they know this music? I don't think they do know it yet. Although, I must say, I had a show the other night, and there were a lot of younger people there, which really makes me so happy. But... You're right. I mean, and, and everybody seems to be sticking to the same tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then back to the composer thing. I mean, when I had my gig at the Essex House Weekly, people would be coming up and saying, do you know Rod Stewart's Bewitched? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, Harry Connick's It Had to Be You. Uh, and how old were these people that, that know, asked you like this? I would say thir- in their 30s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a mixed blessing. You're happy they at least know the tune, but you just want to shake them because how could they not know? Yeah. They're so used to the recording artist being the composer, Mm -hmm. which started, I guess, in the 60s. Well, I have to admit I was guilty of that when I was younger because I knew the recording that I'd heard. It was only when I would tell my parents, this is so-and-so's version that they'd say, well, you know, there was an earlier <laughs> version of that. and Or the musician who introduced me to Bing Crosby, and I thought he's not just White Christmas. He was this swinging jazz guy, which I love. One of my opportunities here at this show is so many people have mentioned him. So I like to think that listeners are going to go back 
and explore early Bing Crosby and realized he was the jazz guy. Oh, he was. And the Rhythm Boys? Yeah, talk about that. What was different about Bing in the early years, different in terms of Bing with other singers of the day? Well, I think Bing was really more of a musician. I, th- I mean, he was really hip. And so were the Boswell sisters. And he did a lot of recording with Connie. I think they really grooved off each other because they respected the fact that each one was actually more of a musician than the other singers. So I think that's his difference. Won't you come along with me? Uh, where are you fixing to go, Miss Connie? Far down the Mississippi. Oh, charming on the Mississippi. We'll take a boat to the land of dreams. Mm-hmm. Steam right down that river, down to New Orleans. Oh, the band's gonna meet us. Uh, which band is in the meeting department, Connie? Mr. John Scott Trotter's gonna meet us, Bing. Oh, delightful. I can hardly wait. Where all the lights and the dark folks meet. Heaven on earth, they call it Basin Street. Whoa, Basin Street is the street. Where all the light and dark folks meet Down in New Orleans, the land of dreams You'll never know how nice it seems Just how much it really means Glad to be, yes sirree Where welcome free and dear to me Where I can lose my basin street blue. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking with vocalist Barbara Rossini. You're a Mildred Bailey fan. Talk about Mildred Bailey. Well, I mean, I could talk for the rest of the show about Mildred <laughs> Bailey. I, I just think she is an unsung hero of American popular music. First of all, she was the first woman to really have a regular big band gig with Paul Whiteman. And and I'm sure the listeners know that Mildred's brother was Al Rinker, who was teamed with Bing in the Rhythm Boys. So, And the other thing that's cool about Mildred is that she and Bing were almost in tandem recording a lot of the same songs in the 30s. And Mildred, there's this poignancy that is, I, I can't find it anywhere else. I guess it's in the later in the Billie Holiday stuff. But, and also her improvisation, again, is perfect for me. She doesn't go too far. She, and, but she completely makes it her own. And there's just this sadness even in her her happy songs that there's this this treble thing or something I, I don't know she's just so wonderful
scat sing at all? No, I don't. Because I, I was going to say, I'd never heard you scat. No, I, I, I just don't do that. I, I whistle. I can actually <laughs> scat when I whistle, but I cannot... I love that. I whistle. <laughs> well, Bing was a great whistler. I know. Yeah, that's great. Is he an influence on your whistling? I've never had a whistler on the oh, show. Oh, really? This is very exciting. Well, you know, there was that guy. I had a penny whistler, but oh, not a whistler oh, whistler. Oh, 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 well, that doesn't really count. <laughs> I whistled before I could speak, and I, I actually finally had... You whistled as a baby? Yeah, like as a tiny child. Is that normal? I mean, is that... Uh, I shouldn't say is that no, normal. No, it's not normal. Not to say Let's you're abnormal. Right there. Is that um, common? I'm sure it's not. My <laughs> word. A baby whistler. A baby whistler. <laughs> this, is, this is really extraordinary. Do, you heard it here, folks. I do whistle on the moon song. No, I heard yeah. it. I thought it was great, but I had no idea that whistling was your first instrument. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is, and it's so easy to carry. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Did your parents? My dad whistled. My dad whistled like a maniac. So did he whistle to you as a baby mm-hmm. and said, He whistled around baby. the house. He whistled when he worked. Oh, oh, now he sounds like one of the dwarves now. But he, <laughs> but he, he was taller. all the time. <laughs> he was a little taller. <laughs> Thank God. But he was... <laughs> so he was saying, whistle, baby, Barbara. He I was there whistling just, to you, you while know, you were a baby? I thought it was cool and, and did it. But it, it's just, it's amazing to me to think that a baby could figure out how to whistle. That's why I asked if all babies whistle. I mean, you're laughing at me. I'm just, I'm people out there listening to us, or maybe they're all thinking, well, my baby whistles. I've just never heard a baby <laughs> whistle. It seems like it's like from one of those um, Look Who's Talking movies that you see a, a, an infant and they go, you know. I wish they had some kind of a video of me doing it now. Of whistling. Yeah, no, I think it's very impressive. Very impressive. Thank you. So yes, so the whistling, but you've never wanted to scatter, never try that. No, I, I don't know why. And the only person that really does it is Ella. That I mean, well, Lily Armstrong. Mm-hmm. But um, I, you know, I think scatting, not whistling. Yes, yeah, scatting. I think there's a misconception too amongst younger people that you're not a jazz singer unless you're scat singing. And and that's the and that begs the question of what is a jazz singer? Yes, which anyway. what is which I love to ask singers. What is a jazz singer? Well, for me, what what I do and what I've listened to, I actually think I do American popular music with jazz behind me, uh, and I don't know what a jazz singer is. There's as many different opinions about what a jazz singer is as there are singers, because everybody says something different. And I think that the singers I've talked with have a very broad view of jazz singing. Even someone like Mark Murphy, who would be, who would epitomize for a lot of people what a jazz singer is in terms of that acrobatic scatting right. and that kind of thing and going off on the lyrics and all of that. I think he has a much broader view of what jazz singing is too. And you can just keep pulling out names and I guess it is very broad. Well, I would like to think it's broad because I always want other people to get into this in a real way. And like you're talking about the people that have been recording these, the standards that I always hope that they will listen to more jazz. That's always my fantasy, is that they'll not just think of Rod Stewart, that they will go back to a Frank Sinatra who was obviously a very jazz-inspired singer. But some people would argue with me and say he's not a jazz singer. Yeah, they would. But there's a real jazz guy, I think. I think so, too.
just found joy I'm as happy as a baby boy When he's playing with a choo-choo toy When I'm with my sweet Lorraine She's got a pair of eyes That are bluer than the summer skies When you see them You're gonna realize Why I love my sweet Lorraine When it's raining I don't miss the sun Cause it's in my sweetie smile Just to think that I'm the lucky one Who will lead her down the aisle Each night how I pray That nobody steals her heart away I can't wait until that lucky day When I marry my Lorraine A 1946 recording of Frank Sinatra with Nat King Cole on piano, along with Buddy Rich, Charlie Shavers, and Coleman Hawkins. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Vocalist Barbara Rothstein talked about what she hears in Sinatra's singing. I guess Frank really is the first person that reeled me in. You know, and I, and, and I wasn't listening to anything else but old stuff, and, and I was about 13, and I had a, cr- a huge crush on him. And I had a huge crush on the old stuff. When his voice is so soft and so accessible and so um, emotionally there. He's very vulnerable. Yes, very vulnerable. I'm a fool to want you. I'm a fool to want you. To want a love that can't be true. A love that's there for others too I'm a fool to hold you Such a fool 
to hold you, to seek a kiss, not mine alone, to share a kiss the devil has known. The singers that really give me that tug in my heart are the ones that that seem very vulnerable, like they're really letting you in. So you could get a crush on him when you're 14, even though it's Frank Sinatra and he's from another generation. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I had a whole fantasy life going. I yeah. was pretending I was at the Paramount Theater with the Bobby Soxers. <laughs> <laughs> I whistled and I fantasized about Frank Sinatra. Great. You could whistle at him, actually. So that would make you stand out right, in the crowd of right. a few other women who had fantasies about Frank Sinatra, I think. And Art Tatum. I love going from one to the other that you're an Art Tatum fan. Talk about Tatum. Well, when I first started to amass a library, I guess, he was one of the first people that I just wanted to continually listen to. I think that's my criteria. Do I want to hear this over and over again? And it's not like the what do you want on a desert island. It's it's what are you compulsive about? Mm. What, what, you know, and I just kept listening to him, and everything I heard was so different from other pianists. Is that crazy? No, I love that you're saying it that way. I love the the ones that you're compulsive about. That's a very different focus because, if I'm understanding this correctly, it's the ones that continue to inspire you. Right. 
And I've never had anybody say it that way, but I've had recordings like that that I have to stop playing because for a little while because I lose that effect because I am a bit compulsive about it and I know it's going to take me to that inspired place. And then I think, okay, set it aside for a minute because it's like chocolate. (laughs) It is. (laughs) You don't want to do too much, but that's fascinating. So it has the ability to continue to inspire you over and over again. Yeah, and I can remember some of the Mildred Bailey things where I would just literally press, replay, 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 and and hear it, and hear something new after the 20th time. Well, that's the compliment, is if you can hear something new after the 20th time. Because I think, for me with Art Tatum, being a pianist, hearing it over and over, I hear something new, But, and here's the wonderful thing, I think I get better at listening. So my sophistication goes up, so I appreciate more of what he's doing. And that's what I know when I've done classes that I want to convey to young people is that when you hear more sophisticated music, like the music we're talking about, that it really does feed you on a deep profound level that without even trying you do become a better listener so that on repeated listenings you do hear more and it keeps refueling you as it were instead of just touching you on a level that pop music does which is fine that's like a quick fix but something like you're talking about, I'm looking at you, we're on radio but I see you're all excited even (laughs) talking about replaying that recording of Mildred Bailey. Well, and I think I can hear the the singers and the musicians who listen. I can, I know who sits there and listens to seventy eight <laughs> because there's uh, there's phrasing and there's things going on that just somebody who picked up a piece of sheet music or somebody who just heard Rod Stewart sing it just doesn't do. That's very interesting. I'm fascinated in how people use other arts to inspire them. And I know when I'm on the road, I love to go to museums and not go hear music or something like that, not stay in my hotel room and listen to music. I'm very likely to go to a museum, look at paintings all day, which really inspires me to play that night, something radically different. Now, I know that you paint, and you took some time off to paint. So So talk about that. I, I, I... I stopped being in the business for about 10 years, and in that amount of time, I really, I did want to sing again, but I just needed time off, and I I started to paint. I had painted a lot in high school and college, and I, I started to do this primitive thing, kind of a Grandma Moses thing, and most of the paintings are from, it's regional. It has to do with Cleveland, Ohio, where I'm from. A lot of them do. And their scenes, and, and, and what's funny is when I went back to the archives and looked at old photographs and worked from them, everything that I was attracted to was from the 30s. <laughs> so I have, I have p- large paintings of Public Square in Cleveland in like 1930 with the Terminal Tower and Severance Hall where the Cleveland Orchestra plays. And they still sell. I, they're lithographs, and I have a gallery in Cleveland that sells them. And it, it it's another tie into that era for some reason. Isn't I am that just inexplicably drawn to that time period. Mm. I like the automobiles. I like the language. I like 
the architecture. Well, I mean, who doesn't like Art right. Deco? And, you know, I, I was out of it, but I wasn't. I, I just couldn't stay away, I guess. And you didn't think about that this is art from this era. You just wound up yeah, liking it. exactly. Oh, that's very funny. I found some connections like that for myself. I like classical music from that period. And I keep winding up that I'll be drawn to things, and then someone will, else will point out, you do realize that's the same era. Yeah, right. That's and cool. so that's very interesting. Do you still paint? I, I don't have time right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a couple of years ago, the woman who owns the gallery in Cleveland called and said, I, I want a third painting to complete this sort of set. And I... I did one, and I'm, you know, I'm just not into it right now. It's okay, but it's not like the earlier. The earlier thing was feeding my A soul thing. when I wasn't performing. Interesting. Interesting. Well, what was it like getting back in the business? That had to be very difficult. Were you scared? Nervous? Or did you, you dive know, right back in? You know, in? When, you, when you have a project you want to do so much... It doesn't matter how scared you are. That just goes away. Because I had such a desire to reproduce these tunes and have another audience hear them that it took away any trepidation. I just, I so wanted it done and well and, and to have it be done by these amazing musicians. And that's how Deep Night came to be. And I never even thought for one minute, this isn't going to be great. Or this isn't, you know, it just took all my energy and I never really thought thought about it being frightful.
are you more interested in doing projects that are a bit looser, as you put it, or that are recreating some things? Do you want to keep doing both? How do you see yourself evolving with all of this? Because you've done such wonderful things in all directions, and and your Bix oh, project. Yeah, Talk Bix. about your Bix project the, and and how you see yourself developing in terms of continuing to sort of sprinkle it with projects like that and other things. Talk about that. Well, the Bix thing is cool because I was asked to do that. That's You know what that's like. That's always so great when somebody else has a project and then they want you on board because then they're producing it. Right. Yay. And I got to do three songs on a wonderful album called Celebrating Bix with wonderful musicians with Vince Giordano and Joe Escioni and Dan Levinson and John Eric Kelso and, and all these and I didn't have to do anything but come into the studio and sing the songs. So that was great. <laughs> and be surrounded by those guys. Right. And then Moonsong, the last CD, yeah, I think that's the direction I want to go. It's looser. It's a smaller group. It's a looser group. We only had lead sheets. We didn't use arrangements. Everybody just blew. And it was, it was fun. We had a lot of fun. You play at Danny's quite often. I love that place. Talk about that. A lot of people might know that here in New York City. Yes, Danny's is Danny's Skylight Room. Blossom Deary has been there off and on for years. So that gives it an instant credibility for me. You know, it's a place to go and try out a new show, to work on material. It, they're very kind there. It's, it's just easy. You can have your friends in. They comp your press people. And you can kind of launch things from there. So I'll be there ongoing off and on i'm i'm doing a moon show there oh good to, to, great you know um kick off the moon cd and it's just and I, one of the one of the places i play usually i'll have a regular gig in new york and and then i'm like you i'm all over <laughs> traveling all the time yeah. and do you like traveling i love to ask people that because a lot of musicians hate it some like it you know if i think if you're with you know, like you, if you're with the right people if you've got <laughs> the right people in your band it can be really fun yeah yeah, that, that part of it, it's a big adventure, isn't it? You're out there, and then, then it does get to be just about the music. You have to be organized. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I didn't know that's what you were going to say. <laughs> yes, while you're traveling. I, the funniest thing that happened recently is I did a concert in Sundance, Utah, solo. And I was coming back three months later with my musicians. And I said, I'm very excited I'm coming back. They said, oh, yes, we're excited to have you. I said, oh, and it'll be really great because I'll have my boys with me. <laughs> they said, oh, how sweet. How old are your boys? <laughs> That's exactly what I do. <laughs> so they so think me. I said, well, they're, they're older now. <laughs> so, so see, it's good to talk to someone who has that right. same relationship with her musicians. Exactly. It's been great to have you here, Barbara. Thank you so much for taking the time to come talk to me. Thank you so much, Judy. Thanks. You've been listening to vocalist Barbara Rossine. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. The opening music was airmail special from my CD High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD Trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. To find out more about what I'm doing in my music, visit judycarmichael.com. 
Special thanks to Kathleen Neal, Tom Rickenback, and Carol Phillips. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is produced in association with Steinway & Sons and the American Hotel Sag Harbor, New York. Visit online at theamericanhotel.com.